Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. We're in this series, Leap. We started last week, we're looking at the life of Abram, who this week will become Abraham. And we're asking the question, what would it look like if we lived a life that was all in? If we lived our life the way Jesus described it and invited us when he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. What would it look like if we actually did that? What if we, We're calling that the leap, that to live that way is to leap into something new and different. Some of you have, have actually gone off a high dive. You know, you've, you've scaled the ladder and you've gone out uh, on, on the, the big tall, you know, platform and and you've actually done that we've actually got one guy that coaches that so um, um, some of you know what that's like and and you know that if your mind and your body isn't all engaged in the process of going off that high dive then you're probably uh, not going to do it and and sometimes in that moment you're standing on the edge and 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 now I'm talking about life okay I'm not talking about being on the high dive anymore I'm just talking about life you're 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 kind of out on the ledge a little bit and doubt creeps in and fear creeps in and things change and it gets a little different we find ourselves backing away from the ledge or or climbing down the ladder altogether because we've said we don't want anything to do with it because of our fear and our shame and we said last week that the drawback to that is that sometimes we miss out on some pretty special moments that God has for us there are those times that God almost tees it up for us and he says here it is and you know our fear or our shame or whatever it is gets in the way and we say you know I can't I can't, I can't pull the trigger on that. And God's like, man, if you could have just trusted me here, if you could have just walked with me a little bit, um, I had something pretty amazing and pretty special for you. That was certainly true <clears throat> in the life of Abram, the person we looked at last week. He was told specifically by God to let go and really let go of everything he had um, ever really known or any anything that he'd ever possessed he, he was told to let go and move to a new place and <clears throat> Abraham obeyed God and surrendered his life to God he said all right you know you write the story of my life we talked about that last week that that part of this is is us giving up this idea that we're going to write our story and we're going to let God write the story through the Holy Spirit and, and Abram did that for a while, and, and part of that story was that Abram was supposed to not only be the father of his own children, but to become the father of many nations, and, and um, it was supposed to be a grand thing for Abram. And, and for a while, Abram did exactly what he was supposed to do, and, and he was all in until the circumstances hit. And when circumstances hit and things kind of were, you know, like a curveball that, that a hitter's not ready to hit, he, he gets this curveball. And, and just like Abram, when the circumstances hit, kind of took a detour or went a different way, that's what we do. You know, we're, we're cruising along, we think we've got it, and then all of a sudden a wrinkle comes. And, and we weren't expecting the wrinkle, and instead of leaping when we get the chance, we tend to want to back away from the ledge. To use the high dive illustration, you know, we're climbing up to go do the high dive, we're ready to jump off, and then the circumstances hit, and then that's when we're found backing back down the ladder. Uh, for some people, I've talked to them, and you know they've not used this analogy because this wasn't probably very prevalent in their mind. But that's what they're describing for me. You know, as they tell me their story, I can, if you wanted to, you could make this application. You can almost get the sense of them just kind of shrinking back, coming back down the ladder, saying, you know, it's too much for me. I can't, 
I can't pull the trigger on that. I can't go there. It's, it's, uh, it's too scary for me. And Abram found himself in trouble. And when, he, when that, that came about, he didn't have any, you know, there was a famine in the land. There was, there was not a lot of water, not a lot of food. And so he decides he's going to go down to Egypt, a place he was never supposed to go. And that, that might describe some of you this week. Maybe you were here last week and you may have said, you know what, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to leap. I'm going I'm to leap back into sobriety or to, uh, into my job or into a relationship or back into my marriage. I'm going to leap. I'm going back in. I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm, it's going to be, I'm all in. And then Tuesday came <laughs> with its circumstances, with its wrinkles, with things a little different, you know, Tuesday came and, and it presented itself in a way with some things going on and you said, you know, I wasn't ready for Tuesday. And with all those circumstances, suddenly you're not so sure about things and you, leaping, you're not really sure you're ready to leap anymore. You're taking matters into your own hands. And a lot of us have found out that when we take matters into our own hands, it can lead to a lot of trouble. I, that's true in my life. So last week we left off with Abram being kicked out of Egypt and getting back on his way. This week we're picking up the story. Abram, he's just lost. You ever, you ever been there? Everything you try to do just seems closed. Every river you try to cross, you see, it just seems like you're not going to make it. across. You, can't, you don't, can't swim fast enough. You just aren't, it just seems like you look around and nothing is seeming to go the way you want it to go. You're just totally lost. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. Last week we were in Genesis 12, and um, we're going to fast forward in these three chapters about 10 years. In that time, Abram has become wealthy. He has accumulated quite a bit of, of uh, livestock and a lot of stuff, flocks and herds and things like that in Egypt. But as we will see, it, was, it comes at a huge price. I mean, he just doesn't get this stuff with, at no price. This, this is going to cost him. And during this 10-year period, Abram has been in a lot of conflict with a lot of different people in Canaan. He's actually been at war with some neighboring kings and, and armies, and, and his nephew Lot got kidnapped. He has to go on a rescue mission and get his nephew back, and it's successful. But the price for that is, is pretty great, and, and he kind of has a target on his back. And his enemies, he's got enemies now, and, and now he's... he's finding himself in some pretty serious difficulty. Abram has gone back now to the place that God told him to go. He's doing everything God had told him to do, and he still gets uh, all this difficulty in exchange. You know, he's gone through these hardships. Now he kind of returns. He's going to do what God's calling him to do. You ever been there? You know, you're the wayward son. You're the prodigal, and you go off, and you do this stuff, and you think, no, I'm coming back, God, and you come back, and it's still not going great for you. Even though you've tried to do it God's way and even though you've relinquished your will and even though you said no I'm going to do it your way and it's just not going right for you and ever since then you've just kind of been in this phase of difficulty Genesis 15 Abram is dealing with fear but now there's something new creeping in <laughs> It comes along with the fear. A lot of us deal with this thing. It's called doubt. Surely nobody in here has any doubts, right? It's been 10 years, and God promised him a son. Now Abram is 85 years old. And though it seemed highly unlikely 10 years ago, it seems totally impossible now. 
And we come to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I want you to see what God's doing here. God's promising Abram that his circumstances aren't going to go away. That's not the promise. Abram, I'm going to make all your circumstances, all your bad circumstances go away. He's not even promising Abram that the circumstances are going to get any better. What he's doing is he's lifting Abram's gaze from his circumstances up so that he can see God. He's trying to lift Abram's gaze above his circumstances so that he can see beyond them and see who God really is. See, Abram's a lot like you and me. We have this tendency to get really caught up in our circumstances and forget who God is. We're going about everyday business. We're doing our thing. And, and it's real easy for us to be so locked in and have our head down and be working and trying to get all the stuff done and take care of business that we kind of lose sight of God. And once in a while, God has to literally kind of put his hand under our chin and lift our head so that we see him, so that we're reminded again hey there is a God there David says this in the Psalms but you are a shield around me O Lord you bestow glory on me and lift my head what a beautiful picture of God the lifter of our head it's, it's the, the image of a child who is upset or downtrodden or downcast maybe you've done this with your kids where they come in and they're down um, I've done this with my own kids from time to time where they just they they can't even hear what you're the encouragement you're trying to give them because their circumstances seem so bleak and they're so oppressive or they're so depressing that they just you know what I'm talking about they've got that spirit that just goes <sighs> and you reach down and you touch their chin and you lift it up and you say look me in the eye listen to me I got something I want to tell you I need you to get past your circumstances while I'm while I'm talking to you so that you can really hear what I'm trying to say. That's the image of what God wants to do with us. That's what God is doing with Abram, and that's what he does for us. Unfortunately, Abram responds like a little child. Genesis 15, verse 2. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my house will be my heir. Abram seems confused. On one hand, he's saying, you're sovereign God, you're in control, you made all this, you made the promise, and it's been 10 years of nothing. I, I can't put my circumstances together with who you are. You ever been there? You, you, you can't make your circumstances add up to the God you believe in. I think that's what we're seeing with Abram right here. I, I'm not sure that Abram is being comforted right now. I think he might be like us at times. He just wants to sit and stew. He just wants to kind of surround himself with his circumstances and kind of be in his fears and in his insecurities, and he wants to remain lost in his own head. I think that describes us sometimes. But God is relentless in the lifting of his head. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. You've got to imagine how hard this would be for Abram to believe. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. See what he's doing? He's lifting his head, literally. 
Abram, I want you to go outside. I want you to look up. I am sovereign God. Everything that I have promised to you, I'm going to do. I'm stable. You can count on me. You can trust me. You can lean into me. See, we've talked about this before in here. Faith, let me define faith for you. Faith is believing God is who he says he is and is going to do what he says he's going to do and then living that out. Not just enough to believe it, it's living it out. That that God is who he says he is, he will do what he says he's going to do and living like you believe that. Here's the question. What are your circumstances this morning? What is it that you cannot get your eyes above right now? What is it that, that has you totally captivated, that has your gaze completely locked in so that you can't even see above you? And what if the challenge for us today is to be able to go outside and look up and remember, oh yeah, God put that sun in place. And then later tonight when we see that half moon so pretty, it was so pretty last night, we see that and it's like God put that there. God hung those stars up there. I can trust him. I think something kind of clicked with Abram. Look at verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That is a big verse. Okay, if you've got a pen in your hand, that's one that you want to circle. That is a big verse. I mean, it's amazing sometimes the biggest verses in Scripture are just a few short words. This is a very important verse in the Bible. Paul will refer to this in Romans. It establishes the fact that it's not about following rules and religion. That's what this verse is about. I know this. I know that there are a lot of people in this room who have been wounded by religion. I talk to people this week that have been messed up by religion. I talk to people almost every week of my life who have been caught up in this whole crazy thing of religion and, and it's messed them up and they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with church. They, they, they're, you know, they're just, it's hard to get them to come to church with you. Sometimes when you're inviting people to church and they're telling you no, one of the things that they're probably not saying is, I don't want anything to do with religion. Religion is ticking off a list of things that you do, but there's really not a relationship. This verse is clearly saying, it's not confidence in your own ability and it's not the efforts or attempts at being good which is what religion really is all about none of that counts for anything with God you know what counts faith faith counts with God faith alone believing that God is who he says he is and will do everything he says he will do and then living like it that's that's how Paul says it is in Romans listen to what he says in Romans chapter 4 verse 20 yet he did he did not waver through unbelief talking about abram regarding the promise of god but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to god being fully persuaded that god had power to do what he had promised this is why quote it was credited to him as righteousness the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone but also for us to whom god was was will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised jesus our lord from the dead he was delivered over to death for our sin and was raised to life for our justification pop quiz we've got these 
big church words, right, that, that people hear, and it's like the minute they hear them, the minute a preacher says some of these words, they just reach up and turn off the volume because it's like, I don't know what that word means, and here he goes. Okay, so, so just so you know, justification. If you're new to church or you're new to us, some people will know this, some of you won't. Justification means just as if I'd never sinned. If you've been justified by faith, it means it's just as if you'd never sinned. That's a great word. And there's another word, righteousness, or righteous. We hear that all the time, and you guys know this one a little better, I think, than, than you know justification. Righteousness is a right standing with God. And through Jesus, on the cross, we have justification, just as if I'd never sinned, and righteousness, a right standing with God. Literally, justification means declared not guilty in a legal sense. Now here's a question. Is there any way God could look at somebody like me and apply the word righteous? I mean, really. Always good, always right, all the time. Does that describe me? No. Does that describe you? No. There's one person that describes, and that would be Jesus. See, the only way you and I can be declared righteous is through faith in what Jesus did on our behalf and accepting a free gift of grace. That gift is forgiveness. Same thing for Abram. This is a really good moment for Abram. God has lifted his head to see beyond his current circumstances, to see God for who he really is, and he's now seeing God as someone worth putting his trust in, somebody that he can put all of his faith in. He's realizing that it's not what or who he is it's what god has done it's what god's going to do he's starting to see that and he's putting it together and it's when we focus on ourselves that we tend to get sideways it's when you just look around and all you can see are your circumstances and you just kind of swim in that pot you know you're just you're just in your mess and that's all you see you've got to lift your gaze you've got to see beyond that you ever watched a kid climb the high dive and watched him meander out to the edge. It's hard to see that anymore because you just don't see that many of them. Have you ever watched a kid stand on the edge of the high dive and then decide he's not going to jump? And then he turns around and he walks back and he goes down the ladder. I mean, that's got, you know, that's, that's a bad feeling. You, you can see him stand there and think about it. And, and they're in that moment, they're, they're thinking too much, and it all gets in their head, and the, the, they're calculating the risks and the danger, and back down the ladder they come. The fear was too much. That describes us a lot of times. But in this moment, right now in this moment, Abram, he, he's all in. His confidence is in God. He, it's been, and the Bible says it's been credited to him as righteousness. I've had moments like that, haven't you? I've had moments where I was really confident that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do and you're, you're living and going in those moments. But I, to be honest with you, I mean, sometimes they can be pretty short-lived if I get focused on circumstances. There are those moments where you no longer feel lost in your circumstances, where you, you, you know, the, the what-ifs that you can drum up in your head, they don't, they've dissipated, it's, it's better I find that, you know, I'm most confident in those times when I've, you know, been alone with God or I've gone to a retreat or I've been to a conference that's really fed my soul and I, you know, I've got all this 
great stuff going on. But here's what happens. At some point, you come back down to earth. At some point, Tuesday happens with everything that comes with life. And when those circumstances hit, kids get sick, people make you angry, sleep doesn't come easily for you like is happening in the Nelson house these days. And frustration abounds. And you start feeling lost all over again. And here's what you find out about yourself. When you get lost, you tend to make decisions that compound the problem. When you feel lost and when your eyes are totally on your circumstances, be very careful to make decisions when all you see are your circumstances. Because when when you're that lost, the chances are pretty good that you're going to make decisions that are not going to be good decisions, and you're going to compound your problem. When we get lost, we have this tendency to take matters into our own hands. When fear creeps in, that's exactly what happens with Abram. Go to Genesis 16, verse 1. (laughs) This, This is pretty interesting. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, which is a big deal. I mean, this is... Like, you know, this was supposed to happen. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Hagar is from where? Egypt. Egypt. Was Abram ever supposed to go to Egypt? No. Okay, keep that in mind. He's got a maidservant from Egypt. He was never supposed to have been in Egypt. He's gone to Egypt. He's accumulated a lot of things. And some of those things are going to come back to haunt him for the rest of his life. This is one of them, Hagar, Sarai's Egyptian maidservant. Verse 2, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Check out Abram's response. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Can't you just hear that? That's a big surprise, right? That's a big surprise. Go sleep with my maidservant. Okay. <laughs> and it's at this point you want to just stop him and say, dude, this is not going to go well for you. This actually would have been very normal practice in Abram's culture. There's, there's nothing in culture that would have been out of bounds here. The culture, the society that Abram lived in would have looked at this, I mean, not literally, but it would have known what was going on and said, well, that's, that's normal for us. That's the way we do it in our culture. If the wife can't produce a child, then, then it, the, the maidservant has to step up, but there's got to be, he's got to produce offspring. He's, he's got to produce an heir, and, that, and that's just how they would do it. Problem is this, Galatians 5.25, we looked at this last week. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And if you'll remember, keeping in step with the Spirit is the opposite of being swept by the tide or swept by the winds of the culture. It often means going against the grain to keep in step with the Spirit. At this point for Abram, because of fear and doubt, he's not all in anymore. He's once again looking at the level of his circumstances. He does not see God. He sees the level of his circumstances. It's been 10 years, and he's saying, listen, I'm 85 years old. My wife is 75. 
There's no way this is possible. I have to find another way. I'll bet this is what God wants me to do. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. It doesn't say Abram deliberated. It doesn't say he thought about it. It doesn't say he prayed over it. He just said, okay. It doesn't end well. Look at verse 3. So that's a big surprise, right? You, you knew that was coming. So Abram, after, so after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, just stop for a minute and think about this from Hagar's perspective. You're a slave in this house. You're a maidservant. And all of a sudden, you're given, you're, you're given to this man that you, you know, probably wouldn't be attracted to, or you're thinking, I don't really want to do that, and you get pregnant. You, you didn't, she didn't ask for all this. Okay, This has all kind of been thrust upon her. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. She's got an issue with, her, with, her, with Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, if you'll remember, this was Sarai's idea. And now she's seeing the fruit of a decision that she's made, and she doesn't like it. And she thought she could handle it, but she couldn't. You ever been there? You ever been there? You ever made a decision in the moment and the moment you made it, you regretted it? That's exactly what this is. You ever made a decision and things don't turn out the way you thought they would? Or, or have you ever made a decision and things turned out the way you thought they would and you find out you just don't have the stomach for it? It's like, yeah, this is kind of what I signed up for, but I don't like what I signed up for. That's what's happening to Sarai. And, and she does what you and I would do. She looks for somebody else to blame. And she points the finger at an easy target. There's old Abram. And he was a very willing participant. Here's a principle. When we are lost, we tend to make decisions that compound the problem. Verse 6, your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. This is Abram shrinking back from his responsibility. This is the time for Abram to step up and to start, um, you know, taking responsibility for the things that he's done and to kind of see how he can make the situation better. And for a moment or two, we get to pause and journey into the wilderness with Hagar as she leaves. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child, you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Get this. He will be a wild donkey of a man. Some of you would say, I married that guy. 
His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in his hostility toward all his brothers. This child shall have Ishmael. He is the father of the Arab nations. The Jewish people have been in conflict with them for centuries, thousands of years. The conflict that you see daily lived out on the news comes from the decision of one man and one woman in one moment. They took their eyes off God. And all they could see were their current circumstances. And when they tried to fix it themselves, they made it worse. So the next time you see something about a suicide bomber, or Hezbollah, or the conflict between the Jews and the Arabs, just think, Abram and Sarai. The fallout of sin. Sometimes the fallout of sin follows us even beyond the grave maybe not us but the people that we love the most check out what happens with Hagar verse 13 she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her you are the God who sees me for she said I have now seen the one who sees me that is why the the well was called beer Lahoy Lahai Roy it is still there between Kadesh and Barret She actually gives God a new name, or at least we discover a new name for God, El Roy, the God who sees. Hagar is this insignificant, poor Egyptian maidservant, a slave. She's been forced into a sexual relationship with a man. She's been abused by the wife. She's been chased into the wilderness. And in the eyes of the world, there's no one more insignificant than Hagar in this moment. But we learn a great thing about God. The eyes of the world may overlook somebody like Hagar, but God does not. God sees. He is the God who sees. God's heart beats for the forgotten. God's heart beats for the overlooked, the abused, the broken, the lost, widows and orphans. God's heart beats for those people who are overlooked. You ever been hurt? You ever been broken? Ever felt like the one who sees doesn't see you, doesn't care, or is paying attention? The truth is God sees. He hasn't missed what's happened to you. He isn't asleep at the wheel. He knows what your circumstances are. You may not think so, but he knows what your circumstances are. And in this story, he is inviting Hagar to trust him. He challenges her to do something that would take great faith. He tells her to go back, back to Abram and back to Sarai. Now, let's be honest. This counsel doesn't make sense. In fact, for me and my job day to day, this counsel is bad counsel. I would never send an abused woman back into an abusive relationship if if a woman came to me and said brett my husband beats me at night i'm not going to look at her and say oh you need to go back there and take some more of that no say get out of there you can't go back there now i need to say this this is what god is saying to hagar in this case be careful applying this to you 
If God wants you to do something like this, if God wants you to do something that just on the surface looks like it makes absolutely no sense, especially in a case like this, he's going to make it very, very clear to you. There, there will be no doubt in your mind. Here she is. She's, she's camped out between these two places, Kadesh, which means holiness, and Bered, which means judgment. In between holiness and judgment, guess what she finds? Grace. She finds grace. In the middle of taking matters into her own hands, trying to fix her own circumstances and be self-sufficient and independent, the God who sees comes to her and says, Hagar, turn around and trust me and rely on me and head back the way you came. Hagar, are you all in? Do you trust me? Do you trust me to let go of what you think makes sense and what you think looks right and trust me and let go? Are you willing? Are you ready to leap? Or, Hagar, you can stay out here and be lost and wondering, which one will it be for you? And Hagar leaps. She returns. Verse 15, so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had borne. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. She demonstrates great faith, but Abram is a little more stubborn. <laughs> between verse 16, I mean, between chapter 16 and verse 1 of chapter 17, there is a 13-year silence. I'm guessing that they were 13 really difficult years for Abram. I'm guessing there was some bitterness and some jealousy, and some anger. And I'm sure that some of those emotions just kind of smothered Abram at times. I bet it seemed as if Abram was never going to get out. <laughs> God was allowing Abram to feel the weight of some of the consequences that would come his way. And we hear that and we think, well, I don't like a God who would let me go through the consequences of my bad behavior. But you know what? You don't parent that way. You don't parent that way. When your kids exhibit bad behavior, you discipline. When your kids do something out of line, you think to yourself, I got two options. I can either let that go and, and reinforce the idea that that's okay behavior and she or he is going to do it again, or I can get up off my duff and go over there and whack them one time real good on the rear end, and they won't do that anymore, at least not for a while. Not till I have to remind them again that that behavior is out of bounds. God is letting Abram feel the, co the cost of his precious independence. God is a very patient parent. He's willing to let us learn difficult lessons over a long period of time. And he is not interested in instant gratification for any of us. You know, I, I, wonder, I wonder if there are going to be microwaves in heaven. <laughs> I just don't think so. I think God's not, not interested in, you know, hot ham and cheese in 30 seconds. I don't think that's God's way. But he's very interested in growing us up, which is usually going to mean a long, hard lesson for us. And if you think you're past the age that you need to be grown up, I would remind you that Abram is 86 years old when this all happens to him. When this process started, Abram is 86. Now, 
When I look at someone who's 86 years old, I look at someone, I think, man, they've been through the wars. They've got all kinds of wisdom. They could teach me so much. There's so much life experience with that person. You know, they're done growing up. No. Remember Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, when it said, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. The picture is this. The picture is that God makes a deposit into our overdrawn bank account and never makes a withdrawal. And if you're new to all this, and, and this is your first time in church in a while, and, and maybe, maybe you've never been to church, we, we have some of that too. I, I need you to lock into me right now because here's what I want you to know. Grace, forgiveness, is a free gift. It is one of the few, very few free gifts you're going to be given in life, and it is given by God. And you do not earn your salvation by doing good things. You can't lose your salvation by doing bad things. God is faithful when we are not. God is strong when we are weak. God is stable when we are unstable. God has made a promise, and God always keeps his promise. So after 13 years, God finally speaks. Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. We get another name here for God. It's El Shaddai. It's God Almighty. God who is sufficient. God who sustains. God who nourishes. The one who is more than enough. God lifts up Abram's gaze one more time so that he can see God for who he is. El Shaddai. I'm going to take care of you, Abram. I'm God Almighty. And then he tells Abram this, walk before me and be blameless. That, that word blameless has its root in the word which means wholehearted. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anything we've read so far in all this? Does that sound familiar? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Walk blameless in front of me. All in. Abram, it's time to leap. He even challenge, uh, changes Abram's name. Abram means exalted father. That's a pretty strange name for a guy that hadn't had any kids yet. And Abram, you've tried to, well, he had one. He had, he had uh, Ishmael. Yeah, thank you. And Abram, you've tried to exalt yourself over all these years. It's not working, is it? You, you've hurt those you love. So your name is going to be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. God is calling to mind a promise. Abram, it's about what I can do, not about what you can do. He changes Sarai's name too. Sarai means contentious or at odds. Sarah means princess. You're esteemed. You're cherished. You're honored. But only through surrendering yourself to me, not through your own efforts. Only by letting go. Only by leaping, Sarai, can you really become Sarah the princess what are you holding on to 
For most of us, it's independence. For most of us, we're stubborn and we just don't want to let go of independence. If you live in America, independence is your birthright. You are taught at a very early age to be independent. And then we come to God and God says, don't do that with me. Don't be that way with me. We like to think that we're independent and that we really only rely on ourselves. But the more we try to hang on to our lives when it comes to God, the more messed up it gets. The more we cling to the things that we want, the more jacked up life gets for us and the more out of control everything gets. Stop trying to do it on your own and leap. If you've never given your life to Christ, quit trying to do that by yourself. Get some help. Get a new perspective. Come to the one who went to a cross and died for you to give you the one thing you can't do for yourself. Forgiveness. You need forgiveness. You need a Savior. You need a Lord. If you've never done that, if you've never given your life to Christ, you can do that in this church. You can find freedom. We're not talking about religion. I'm talking about freedom. I'm talking about waking up every day being free. And if you don't know what that is, please come talk to me. Because we need to talk about what Jesus does in your life. So in just a minute, we're going to stand and sing. And if you are one who's never given their life to Christ, you can come forward. You can catch me after church out in the lobby. You can call this week. You can talk to one of our elders. You can talk to one of the pastors. I'm sure if you came to church with somebody, they could help you understand what Jesus is doing in their life. But talk to somebody. And get yourself to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we learn so much through these characters in the Bible and someone just as, as faith-filled sometimes as Abram was. And then at the same time, he can turn around and just do some of the most boneheaded things. And he's just like me. But Lord, it's, it's, it's amusing to watch some of it. The reality is this was his life and some of these things it wasn't amusing. This was really hard. There's people in this room that are going through things that are really hard, and some of those things are, are nothing more than the residual effect of bad decisions or taking matters into their own hands. I've done that too. and We get so focused and locked in on those circumstances that we just don't see you. So, Father, we invite you this morning to be the lifter of our head so that we can see beyond circumstances to the promise you've made to be our God, to walk with us, to take care of us, to be faithful to us. Lord, if there's somebody in this room that's never given their life to Christ, I pray that you'd help them to see maybe for the first time that it's not what they thought it was. It's not a list of rules. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about getting the sin out of their life. It's about being forgiven. It's about receiving grace and mercy. in Jesus' name we pray.